This life and all the comforts it provides can make it hard to focus on what truly matters. Many people want heavenly riches, but feel they need earthly wealth to survive in this world. This realization causes many to put more attention to treasures of an earthly nature above riches found in heaven. Hi, I'm Femi Osibin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Thank you for tuning in to today's sermon focused on heavenly riches. Take it from Matthew 6, 19-34, a section in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus discusses setting our sights on the riches of heaven, which are incorruptible. One of the problems that we as humans face is focusing. Not necessarily focusing itself, but focusing on the right thing. Because we find it easier to pay attention to the wrong influences. And to focus actually takes effort and energy. Because when you focus, you pay attention to a thing to the point to where everything else is not existence. It's a hard but simple thing at the same time. Because like I said, we naturally focus on things that we like, things that impact us on a like immediate nature and things that we fear. So just sitting in this room, in our own minds, we could be thinking about a number of things in this world. And we're focused on that because that's something that our mind wants to pay attention to. Or we could be focusing on the comfort of this room. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Am I comfortable? And that just happens naturally because we feel it. Or say if a snake came in this room, we would focus on that because there's an element of fear. And these things would snatch our attention just by nature. But even in the midst of all of that, we could choose to say, I'm going to pay attention to this, this message. I'm going to pay attention to whatever's in my mind. I'm going to pay attention to how I feel and tune everything out because that's what we choose to focus on. And when we go through life, we must learn to focus on what God wants us to. Because our focus drives our lives. So if we focus on what we fear, we design our lives away from the things that causes us fear. A little bit about myself. I'm scared of dogs. So if I go looking for a house, I'm going to see how many dogs are in the neighborhood. And what is the probability that they can get loose? Because I don't want to interact with that. It's going to influence my decision. If we focus on the things that are convenient in life. I'm going to get a job down the street from my house, no matter what it pays, 
So all I can do is just walk to work. I don't have to worry about driving. Or if we focus on a number of things, we design our lives around it because that's where our attention is to. But as godly people, we have to make sure that we are focusing on what God is calling us to be because if we don't, we will find ourselves getting driven away from Christ and we're not even paying attention to it. And to focus on what God wants us to do, it takes two things. One, you have to look at the end goal, heaven. Two, you have to be present in the moment. So, you have to look at the actions that you're doing in the moment that are going to lead you to the place you want to be in the future. So, you have to have a dual focus on now and in the future. Because if you don't, your attention will be drawn to something else. And you won't even understand what God is calling you to presently. Now we're going through the Sermon on the Mount and where we're at is in the 6th chapter verses 19 through the end of the chapter 34. And what Jesus is telling us is that after he's described this methodology, the, the way that we pray, how we're to live with the Beatitudes and how we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world. That, that we cannot have a righteousness like the Pharisees, that it's an internal disposition that God is calling us to look at, to focus on, not an external demonstration of what people would say is proper religion, but aligning ourselves on inside with God and telling us that our prayers put our focus, our minds, our hearts on the things that God wants so we pray for his kingdom to come. We pray understanding that when we forgive, we'll be forgiven like he is. We pray that he leads us not into temptation. And these things are garnered to focus us on Christ. Then he tells us that we have to set our sights on heaven. We have to focus our treasures on a heavenly reward. Listen to the words of Jesus as he mentions it in this progression of his sermon. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink 
or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. And indeed, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's troubles is enough for today. You see all of the. The, the distractions that Jesus is warning us not to be distracted by and where he's calling us to put our focus on to. Focus on the treasures in heaven, not on the treasures in earth. If your lamp, your light of your eye is dark, your focus will be wrong. Focus on God and not on your wealth. Don't focus on the things that are bring comforts in this life. Like what will you eat? What will you wear? And those things that will cause us to be distracted. But focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of those other things, they will be provided for you. Don't focus on tomorrow, focus on today. You see, what we focus on is going to be what determines how we live. And so what Christ is telling us is, set your focus on heaven and what you're doing in the moment so that you can Pursue the righteousness that God desires for his children. Let's look at these passages just a little bit in depth. And then I think a few lessons might jump out at us. But let's start at 19. And we're going to read through 19 through 24. Because I think encapsulated in these verses, something jumps out at us when we read it as a whole that sometimes people break apart that could potentially lead to missing the greater point. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be. 
The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Or some translations, God and mammon. So you see where he starts off is there's an understanding that you're going to store up treasure somewhere. It's either going to be on heaven or it's going to be on earth. But you are going to put your efforts, your energies, your focus on accumulating some type of wealth in either the spiritual realm or the physical realm. Happens by nature. And that is determining on the light of your eye. What do you see as the beneficial, the appropriate place to put your energies towards? Because you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and wealth. You see, all of those go together. Determining upon is the light in your eye dark or light? Are you looking at heavenly riches or earthly riches? Are you serving God or are you serving wealth? Material gains, as some, some translate mammon to be. The comforts of this life, your possessions. And when you think about that, it even becomes more evident. If we don't control what we put our attentions to by nature, we will be focused on mammon. Why is that? Because by nature, what we want is a nice house. I want to be able to take my significant other out for their birthday. I want to, 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 to have some type of possessions to make this life comfortable. And if I see that as the end all to be all, that's where I'm going to put my energies to. And while I might still have some type of allegiance to God, when it comes down to it, when they're both face to face and I have to make a decision on which way I'll go, I'm going to choose the earthly. We've all been in situations to where we've had to choose between two. It happens a lot when we go through the drive through line. And they say, what you want to eat? And you have all of these options. And you might have a taste for this. And you might have a taste for that. And you've been to this restaurant plenty of times. But you say, I can only go with one. Because I'm not going to even be able to eat all of that. So you have to choose. And what eventually starts happening is. In the abundance of visits to this restaurant, this place. You start to acquire a taste for a certain meal. And after a while, that's just all you get. 
And so your choice is made because at first it was a hard decision because of the options. But then as you continue to go and you started to choose this, this number, this, this meal, time after time after time again, it just became second nature until that's the only thing you get from there. And that's what happens in life. And that's what Jesus is telling us. Is that we have these two options before us. And what we'll have to do is we'll have to train ourselves to see God as our only option. Because if we don't, our efforts will start to go towards building up our earthly bank accounts. And not building up our spiritual bank accounts. And building up your spiritual bank account. It requires doing the things that Jesus has been preaching about. Since the fifth chapter. And that he'll teach about throughout the rest of this gospel of Mark. But it requires focusing on heaven. So you think about what he talks about in the Beatitudes. To build up your treasures in heaven, I must be poor in spirit. I must be willing to mourn for the things that God mourns for. I must hunger and thirst after righteousness. I must be pure in heart as opposed to putting my efforts and energies into building my earthly bank account. And this is a difficult lesson, I say for myself, because as we think about what this world causes us to, we recognize that while a lot of people profess to have an affinity for the things of God, they're truly rooted in material possessions. And so people say God's blessings are shown through the possessions that you have. God's blessings are demonstrated by the comforts of life that you enjoy. God's blessings are evident in the fact that we live in a free country, yet the Beatitudes tell us a different story. God's blessings are found in heaven. And struggling to be the person that God wants us to be in the midst of this crooked world, suffering for the cause of Christ, going without some of the things that this life have so that our treasures will be in heaven. And that's hard, especially as we think about what today is, Father's Day. Where a good father is measured not only by the love that he provides, but the lifestyle to a big part that he provides for his child. 
And that stuff gets expensive. And it requires a person to work sometimes overtime. Sometimes neglecting who God called them to be to ensure that their kid or whoever that they take care of whom looks up to them as an authoritative male figure in their life to provide for them. And it requires focusing on God, understanding that I still can't put that before what God causes. And at times it gets difficult. And not even just for fathers, for all people, because we still have to live in this world. And with the demands in this culture that all boil down to expenditure of finances. So to be in contact with everybody, you got to buy a cell phone. To get around, you almost are forced to buy a car. And when you have even these simple things, people are not satisfied with selling it to you. What they want to do is make sure that they have other means of getting income out of you so they sell you insurance on top of that. And then they inflate the prices of groceries and they, they, they encourage people to spend money at markets instead of, instead of teaching people to grow their own food. And all of these things to where the world that we have become accustomed to trains us to seek finances to get the things that we want and the things that we need. And that takes our energies and our times and our thought processes away from God. And if we're not aware of that, we'll do all we can and we'll accumulate treasures in this life. But what Jesus says is, Train your eyes to see the true light. Because if you don't see the true light, you'll be dark. And the world doesn't always recognize darkness as dark. And with their mindset, we could think we're doing what God wants and be far away removed so how do we do that we learn to serve God through it all because if we're not serving God we're serving ourselves we're serving this world we're serving the comforts of this life that's going to be destroyed and risk missing out on eternal life that will be sustained forever. And how do you know if you're serving God or if you're serving mammon, if you're serving God, you're serving this world, if you're following Christ or you're following culture, it's going to be determined by when you come to a crossroads, which path will you choose? Will I choose the path that I know 
is of God, is of Christ, is of seeking his kingdom that might entail that I go without things of this world? Or will I choose the path that allows me to become more entrenched in society that God's trying to call me from? Will I put work, family, friends, myself over faith, obedience, trust? Will I encounter these words of Christ and say, I understand what you're saying, Jesus, and I like it, but I'm just not quite ready to do everything that you're calling me to. Because if you've gotten there, then what you really have done is you started serving the world. Another indication that you're serving the world is that in, in, in letting us know that we can't serve two masters, Jesus goes on to let us know the depth of what that really means. It's not just about I work and I have a large bank account. I work and I have a lot of materials. It even comes down to the minutia of life. Listen as he starts telling in 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither reap nor gather into barns or sow, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. You see, it's not just a matter of worrying about, will I have enough to retire? Will I have something to pass on to my kids? It even gets down to the daily, everyday things that if we paid attention to what Jesus taught us in his model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, what he says is, you ask God, give us today our daily bread. And you trust God for that. And we don't have to worry about what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? What about my life? Because it's bigger than that. But those things, if we don't learn not to focus on it, they can be all consuming. 
Because if you get hungry, what is he going to do? Your mind will naturally go to, what am I going to eat? It's one of the things that I was recommended when I started going to school. Don't go to class hungry. Because if you do, you won't hear nothing that the teacher says. And I found it to be true. But what I find to be more true is that if I learn to control my mind, no matter what physical state I'm in, I can attune my mind to what I want to attune it to if I control my focus. You see, hunger, while it is showing us that there's a symptom in our body that needs to be addressed, it doesn't have to control us. Jesus fasted for 40 days. He hungered and the devil tempted him. Something very simple. Just turn these rocks into bread. You're hungry. God will understand. He made you and designed your body to eat. Jesus even showed concern with crowds that went with him. He said, they've been with me for three days. We need to feed them lest they fall back on their journey. So he knows, he gets it. But what he's also saying is, don't let that override your concern for being who God wants you to be. Because if that starts to override your focus, what you'll start doing is tuning out God to get desires that he's going to provide for you. Clothes. We live in a culture that tells us that we need to shop every day. That it's not okay to wear the same clothes two days in a row. Who says that? Not God. That's the world. But if we allow that thinking to cloud our judgment, what we'll have is a closet full of clothes, wealth built up on earth, and won't even have a room in heaven. Or we could be satisfied with the clothes on our back and have, some people interpret it, a mansion in heaven. A mansion, a robe and crown, as the song goes. While here, we're satisfied with just a cottage below. But in that city, where the ransom will shine, we'll have a mansion, a robe, and a crown. Because we're not worried about the little things in life that people tell you to focus on. We're not going to try to catch every sale that they have at the department store. We're not going to worry about where our next meal is coming from. We're not going to be controlled by if I get thirsty, I'm going to do anything that I can do to make sure that I satisfy, quench that thirst for this earthly body because I have learned to thirst and hunger after righteousness, which teaches me to put everything in perspective and not allow it to take my focus off of God. 
And when we focus on God, we recognize that nature teaches us that God is going to take care of us. When was the last time you saw a bird at the grocery store? Or an animal filling out a job application? Never. Why? Because God provides these things for his creation. And if he cares about birds to that extent, how much more so does he care for us? David at one point writes, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. And if you consider all of the trials that David went through, that is a profound attestment of faith. He spent years on the run trying to seek after God. And he said in all of his days, those people that he saw who were righteous by God's standard, he never saw them go hungry. And I think that we might be able to say the same thing if we account those people whom we consider righteous by God's standard. I'm not saying that they always had steak. I'm not saying that they always had the buffet. But what I'm saying is that God provided to where they did not starve. That God made a way for his people at times through his people so that they would be provided for. Why? Because God is in control. And he has a concern about his creation and he knows the very things that they need and he wants to provide it for them, but he doesn't want those provisions to allow them to not see, choose him throughout all of this life. So when you're in doubt, just take a look outside. When animals get hungry, what do they do? They go forage for food. You look at those flowers, that's nice. Did it have to make that? No. God provided it with clothes. And then you could think about yourself. When we really think about the God that provides for us. We haven't starved. When was the last time you had to leave the house naked? I would say never. Why? Because God provided. Because he cares for you. But he wants those provisions to lead you to a recognition of him and trust so that what you will do is learn not to be so concerned about today in the negative sense of what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to drink. But to be concerned about today in the sense of how can I glorify God? How can I maintain my focus on the kingdom of heaven so that I will be an eternal residence when God destroys all of this stuff? That requires us to focus properly. And Jesus has given us a methodology in which to do it. 
just go through the Sermon on the Mount. He's telling us step by step how to be who God wants us to be. And then as he ends this chapter, which Jesus doesn't end the chapter here, he continues on with his thought, but it's in Matthew, this is the end of this chapter. What he says is, don't worry about tomorrow. That is another problem that we have issues with. What will happen tomorrow? What will tomorrow bring? Oh my, I can't think because I'm so worried about the evils of tomorrow that it is crippling me today. Don't worry about that. God has it in control. And especially at this point in history to where it's so much tribulation that we don't even know what tomorrow brings, literally. This country might have a revolution. <laughs> we might have a pandemic come through that wipes out hundreds of thousands of people. Might kill me. We could go to war as a nation. All of that stuff could happen tomorrow in a very real sense. And what Jesus says is, if it happens, you still have to remain faithful. So don't worry about it. Because what I want you to do is be righteous according to God's standard, not a fake piety to where you're trying to show off for man, not one based upon your own standard, but one that's based upon the stipulations that I am telling you that God has sent. Be righteous according to that. And whatever happens tomorrow, you will be taken care of. Because today I'm providing for you. Because I love you. And your efforts are not going unnoticed. Because where you're actually putting your deposits by the good deeds that you're doing in the kingdom of heaven as is presented on earth is the kingdom of heaven that is an extension of the one that God initiated through Jesus Christ on earth in his eternal kingdom. And when you get there, you will reap the full rewards of all of your righteous and faithful deeds for the cause of Christ. But we have to train ourselves to focus on that. So real quickly, something to put on your mind. Learn, train, teach yourself to see things as God sees it. Because unless we do that, brothers and sisters, what we will actually do is we'll see the world the way we want. And how we focus on things, the things that drive us, whether they be our focus out of fear, our focus out of comfort, or just our focus out of the things that attract us to it, that's what we'll put our energies to. And learning to see things as God requires repentance of our way of thinking. 
to put on God's way of thinking. And it's not a natural endeavor. It's actually a spiritual practice which requires getting closer and closer and walking and trusting and building your faith up in Christ on a daily basis in the moment and not worrying about these things you have no control of because all you can really control is yourself. And it's not going to come about by worrying. It's not going to come about by investing all of your efforts into projects of this world. Because we can accumulate a lot of wealth. We can accumulate a lot of mammon, status, clothes, food, something to drink. In this world, and make no deposits on the next. So when you start seeing things that you like too much, dare I say, look away. There's this concept by a famous investor. And a person asked him, he said, how can I accumulate wealth like you do? He said, write down 25 things you want to accomplish in this world, in this life. So he wrote them down. And then he said, the first thing that you want to accomplish, circle that. Run from everything else on that list. Why? Because that's going to take attention from what you really want to do. It's the same for our Christianity. It's a difficult concept because not everything that we like is bad. But it just has the inherent Danger, chance of drawing us away from God. Because it would cause us to focus on it instead of the God who's going to provide it if we focus on Him. I'm not sure where that leaves you. I was just hoping to encourage us to get us to think about the things that we focus on in this life. Because we're going to focus on something. And if we don't choose to focus on God, we're going to focus on this world, which will be destroyed by the very God who's calling us to him. And when we focus on God, it's going to require his help for us to do the things he calls us to. Because if we don't rely on the help of God, we're going to rely on our own selves and we're not strong enough. And Jesus has given us a methodology, a teaching to get us back to where we were when God created us in Eden and where he's calling us to when Jesus returns to restore man from his fallen state. The kingdom of heaven is our desire, is what we will actually be if we learn to see God and how he's calling us there through 
where we are in life. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.